Welcome to the Minute Sonship Life. Here we go. Here we go. One more message, one more message. And uh, it's a message that really, I believe, is the message of the hour. It's the message where we are to never let go of, and it is the one of not to worry, not to take the care of the moment, not to ca- take the care of of um, that which is communicating a downfall or a perdition or or an end to a moment that it's no more and that's it. We're done. We're done. We're never done. We're never done. We're never done. <laughs> We're never done because God's not done with us. God is not done with us. And so today my title is really the way I finished last Sunday's message. And last Sunday's message, I talked on cast to care on the one who cares for you. And of course, that's the Lord. And we spent a lot of time in first Peter five and we'll start there today as well. But the way I finished last Sunday's message was, we are today carefree. And because we're carefree, we are devour free. We are devour free. And you don't have to live in the world for too, too long to realize there's something going on that's beyond what is seen. Something that's going on that's beyond what is seen. At some point in our life, we start making little connections. Oh, oh. We start moving towards thoughts that are, wow, there must be a supernatural. Something feels different than the natural. Must be spiritual. What is it? And many embark on a journey to find the spiritual. Now, my, my moment in terms of my testimony, I, I was very reasonable. I was very, I was really heady. And mom and dad, both engineers, I grew up in a home that was very reasonable, rational, analytical, natural, scientific. And um, it was not until my, I think my early 20s, 20, 21, I think 21 I was, when I had a night vision. Never up until that moment did I really care about the natural nor the supernatural, but I was beginning to see certain things because I grew up in Africa. And having grown up in Africa in a very supernatural, spiritual atmosphere, I was aware of another world, so to say, that the locals dealt with that I I really did not understand and I really was quite fearful of. And then I went to study overseas, and here I'm in my early 20s, and I have a night vision. In that night vision, I saw the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And when I saw him on the cross, in just a vision with no words, I knew within my heart that he was the Son of God, and he died for me. And in that moment, I really became awakened to God. I became born again. At that time, I was rooming with a friend, I wouldn't have called her friend because I was very antagonistic against her because she was a Christian and I didn't like Christians for some reason. Well, yeah, because I didn't understand what they were about and how can they believe a book that's called the Bible with no scientific proof, it seemed at that time. That when I had this night vision, I woke up knowing that God is real, knowing that Jesus is the Son of God, knowing that he died for me. Not Nothing beyond that, but just that, that he was the Son of God and he died for me. And I woke up Beatrice, my roommate. I woke her up. It was about two in the morning, three in the morning. And I said, Beatrice, Jesus is the Son of God. Beatrice, 
She turned over, says, yes, I know that in her thick African accent. She was from Uganda. And she said, I know that, Desi. And she just turned over and continued to sleep. And I'm like, oh, my dear, I just had an epiphany moment. Something she's been talking to me about that I just didn't care for, but never pushed it on me. And so that's how I came to know the Lord. And this is the passion that came at that moment for truth, to pursue spiritual truth, spiritual truth. Not deception, but spiritual truth. Um, it just bore a, a fire within me that led me into the word, that led me in the Bible. And that's why I found out that, yes, indeed, there is a spiritual world. And we do have an adversary called the devil. There is a spiritual entity called Satan that is in opposition to light, in opposition to the truth of the word of God, in opposition to a child of God that comes into the full revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. At that moment, when you become born again and you see him, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Savior, as your Lord, as the Son of God, you become a target. Target? A target for assaults on your mind, assaults all over your life. But hey, hey, we have a shield of faith called the Word of God that we can pick up every day with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and demolish every foul argument. To demolish every stronghold that wants to come against us to tell us we're defeated. There's no way out. There's no way out. You're done for, Desi. Absolutely not. And the number one really fiery dart, ammunition, insinuation, Assault in our mind is through fear, anxiety, and worry. And that's why I've been talking about let's not fear, let's not worry. Let us give up the care. So let's go to 1 Peter 5. Because if we do not, we become devourable. By this adversary that we know Jesus defeated on the cross. When we read the gospel, we see the entire layout of the salvation story. Of why Jesus came to save us. That really without him coming to save us, we're without a hope. Because none could do right before God. Sin had so become part of the nature of man through a deception that Adam took in, in that garden of Gethsemane, sorry, garden, the garden of Eden, that Jesus had to resist in the garden of Gethsemane. That, that moment when sin came into the world, we became without remedy. And the only remedy was the one that he brought forth, which was the Lord Jesus Christ. So that through this faith in the one who has defeated the devil, we can live life eternal and have a hope for today. First Peter 5, and last week, um, yeah, or maybe a couple of weeks prior, I gave a context to it. And this is Peter writing to the elders. He starts by addressing the elders to be an example to the flock of Christ, to not be lording it over them, but as they serve as overseers of those entrusted to them to teach them the way of God, that they are to be an example of Christ to the flock. And right after that instruction, he moves to the younger people. And so verse 5 is 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. And last week we talked about what does that look like? Well, that looks like being clothed with Christ. That looks like being clothed with a new nature that we have now in the Lord Jesus Christ through a new birth that we have. 
Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud. God resists the proud. Why? Because pride represents the fallen world. Pride represents Satan and why he was cast out from the very presence of God. And God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, because God resists the proud, but his grace is on the humble, the one who've submitted to him, the one who've submitted to one another in accordance to the way of God. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, casting all your care upon God, for he cares for you. In verse 8, be sober, be sober, be vigilant, be alert, some translations say, because your adversary, that is the devil, we have an adversary, like I said, the devil, and that word adversary means opponent, your opponent. We have an opponent 24-7, we have an opponent. Because your adversary, the devil, it qualifies who the adversary is. It's not flesh and blood. It's not your mama, nor your daddy, nor you, <laughs> you, whoever that is flesh and blood. But the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There's nothing gentle in deception. There's nothing mild in deception. It is a roar. And it's boisterous, it's proud, it's arrogant. And if you don't take this way of the roar, it doesn't cease. It keeps going on. To intimidate you, to silence you, to make you cower, to make you doubt the love of God because we just read just the verse above, cast your care on the one that loves you. The devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. His sole purpose is this devour. And so we have been connecting, as the word has connected for us already, that should we walk in this anxiousness of mind, we are becoming devourable. Worry, worry, worry. Worrisome thoughts. How am I going to make it? How am I going to stretch it? It's never enough. It's never good enough. H how will I vindicate myself? How do I explain my, how, how? Worry, worry, worry. A mind so occupied with the earthly is a mind that's being devoured by an adversary who will not stop until you make him stop. That's where verse 9 comes in. Resist him. Resist his devour. Resist the devil, your adversary. Steadfast in the faith. Steadfast. We looked at the word steadfast. That was the word steros. And it meant firmly. Resist him without wavering. D don't give him, don't give him another, another moment of further conversation. Oh, really? Could it be? 
No. What does the word say? I come back to the word of God. I have been justified by the blood of Christ. There is no more condemnation with those that are in Christ Jesus. And so whatever the assault is on your mind, whether condemnation, whatever the opposition looks like, you cannot tolerate it for another moment. You to resist it, not five minutes from now, right now. You resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You're not the only one going through it. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I did not read verse 10 last week because I really wanted the emphasis to be on casting the care on the Lord. But as we meditated last week about casting the care, that it's so important to cast the care because unless we cast the care, we can't resist, devour. And so I want to look what the word casting the care is because once we have cast the care on God and are resisting Satan, here comes God and undergirds us and strengthens us after we have resisted, after we have suffered a while, resisting Satan is suffering to the flesh. Resisting a worrisome thought is suffering to something that's very natural to the human outer man. I mean, you have, you have social gatherings. You have, you have going for coffee with your buddy. You, you have, you know, you overhear conversations. What are they all about? Worry. <laughs> Just came out of a season that brought a lot of worry to a lot of people. So when you resist that within your own self, what an opposition there is just in your carnal mind to come against this assault, to worry, to fend for your little life. Like you know what's going to happen five minutes down the road, so it's like you think you can figure out everything, how to protect yourself. No, we come as Christians and we come to this place of the word of God that because he cares for me, I entrust myself fully on him. And when I entrust myself fully on him, I become aware that my mind now, my mind is to think his thoughts. Because how do we yield to another unless we agree with their thoughts? How do we yield with another unless we agree in conversation with that which they say to us? And so to cast, cast my care on the Lord is to come in agreement with what God has spoken to you for your safety. Because care equals devour. Okay, let's look at this word. First Peter 5, 7, I wanted to look at the word um, care. Oh no, cast all your care. We'll look at all of them. Cast all your anxiety, the New International Version writes. The New Living is give all your worries and cares to God. The English Standard, that first part of the verse is casting all your anxieties on him. I liked the Amplified. I'll read the entire verse in the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible just kind of expounds the words in the Greek language and puts it together. 
Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all. I love that. Once and for all. Once and for all, I'm going to stop worrying. Once and for all, this thought that I've been struggling for the last five years, I'm going to once and for all cast it on God. It's no longer mine to carry. Because we can see in carrying this care, there's nothing peaceful about our lives. Nagging, nagging, nagging. Like I said last week, navel gazing. Worrying, worrying, worrying. What do they think about me? Why don't they, why they don't speak good about me? Whatever the moment is, there will always be an assault on your identity in Christ. There will always be an assault to who you are in terms of your character, what you've done. Because we have an adversary. The roars, lies, and deception for us to take it. And as soon as we've taken that bait, we've stumbled. And we looked at that word to stumble. We've stumbled. We've fallen away. We've, we've lost this, this stability that we had. And in that moment, we can't withstand the devourer anymore because we've lost our ground. So back to the Amplified, once and for all, we cast these cares. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. The literal strongs, the translation of verses, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The word Cast, I love that. It means to throw upon. You, you, it, it, there's nothing, there's nothing like you, no, you, you, you take this care and you cast it far away from you. You, you, you don't tolerate the fear. You don't tolerate the worry. You don't tolerate. You don't tolerate that assault that's coming. You don't tolerate it. You you throw it on the Lord. The um, it comes from the word epi and ritmo. It's to yeah to throw upon. And God is God is not intimidated by this that we throw His way. God is not intimidated because He knows how important it is. I think that's really where the message is about. It is, I don't think we really understand the devour of the care. I don't think we really understand how dangerous this worry is. How toxic it is to who we are. That God would use this word, cast it on me. Give it to me. The word anxiety, care. To worry, I think I looked at it uh, some weeks back, to worry. And I looked at Matthew 6 there, do not worry about your life. And it was to become a part 
separate from the whole. To divide, it causes a fracturing within a person's being into many parts. And so when we worry, we lose this wholeness that we have in Christ. We lose this peace that is preserving our lives. When we worry, we are really... Uh, Becoming dismantled, dismantled, separated, broken up, beat up, beat down. And then the next word, because he cares, that word care is not the same as the first one, anxiety. But this one, it is a care, concern, an interest. And, and it's to do with affection, just like the amplified translation said, because he is, has deep affection for you. And so because God loves us, oh, it goes back to this revelation of the love of God, doesn't it? Because God loves me. Because God is not mad with me. Because God has fully accepted. Because God is love. I can entrust myself. I can entrust myself to his keeping. I can entrust myself. I can, I can lean on him and rest in him. How do we lean and rest on him? By coming back to the word of God. And by building this persuasion of faith. That if God be for me, who can be against me? If God so loved me that he gave his son to die for me, what opponent can torment me? If God has said in his word that now through the blood of Christ, I have been cleansed from a guilty conscience, who can accuse me before God? If the word says before God, I stand pure on the basis of that ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. Who can call me unclean before God? So the way we lean and come back into this calibration of solidity to withstand the adversary that roars is to come back and place our feet on the solid rock, the word of God. Because, let's go to Ephesians 6. We looked at John 10, 10 last week that we have an adversary, Satan, that his sole mission is to come, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came that we might have an abundance of life, an abundance of his life. Ephesians 6 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And that armor of God is really being clothed with the humility of Christ. The armor of God, Romans calls it the armor of light. It's to put on Christ. Actually, let's go keep, keep your finger in Ephesians. In, in Romans, I want to read a verse in Romans. Romans 13, 
11. And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, to shake off the slumber, to resist the devourer, to be sober again, to come into the alertness of the mind of Christ again. Now it's high time, Paul tells us, to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now he's so much more dearer to me than when I first believed. Now my walk with him is so much closer than when I first believed. Why? Because I got to know him some from the Word, from the lead of the Spirit. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us resist the de this deception of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And so when we read in Ephesians 6, what we just read on, read here, put on the whole armor of God. I always think of what Paul, how he fills the blanks. The armor of God is this armor of light by which you resist darkness. The armor of light is putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you put on the Lord Jesus Christ? By putting on the word in your heart, by putting on the word on your mind, by not letting go of truth again. By not being so easily tossed by every wind of doctrine. That sounds appealing. That makes sense. Yet yeah, to the outer man, everything makes sense. But that is carnal knowledge. That Paul tells us here to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh and fulfill its lusts. Just because it makes some sense doesn't mean it's truth. What does the word say? That's how I know what makes sense to me. That which builds faith in me. That which builds faith in me. That which keeps me in the narrow way of liberty. To know I'm loved. To know I'm free. To know I have him forever. To know no matter the weapon formed against me, it will not prosper. To know that if God be for me, who can be against me? To know that I am the very loved child of God. To know and have this assurance of faith. That no matter what the assault is, I'm coming. I'm coming out of it. Up above it, I am. Far above every power and principality, I am. In Christ, I am seated forever. Confidence. Confidence in this hour. Not on your flesh of what you think you know, what you don't know, of what, oh, it seems a little kinder out there now. No, no, no. Confidence. On and in the Word of God. Because if we go back to Ephesians 6, we find out we're not wrestling flesh and blood. 
Our opponent, the devil, does not have flesh and blood. It's a spirit. A spirit that really infiltrates human flesh. But that's a whole different teaching. I'm not going to go there. But nevertheless, it's a spirit. He's a spirit. You can't see. How do you perceive his presence? Torment, unease, disease, discontentment, raffled, anxious, worried thoughts, inadequacy. Whatever it is that the weakness of our flesh tends to go towards, then it comes and stirs those things up. Back to Ephesians 6.11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against. To stand against. Come on now. We can stand against it. We can stand against it. To stand against. To resist. I love resistance training. To stand against. To resist. The wiles, that were the schemes, the schemes of the devil. Do you know the devil has schemes how to destroy you? Do you know the devil has plannings of how to devour you? What worked on you last time, he'll try it again. What brought you down the last time, he'll try it again. What made you soak your pillow last time, he'll try it again. Mm -mm. From now on, we resist it. No. No, not this time, devil. No, no. My thoughts are from above. I choose to renew my mind by putting this word in me. What do I do in those moments? I pick up the Bible. I pick up the Bible. And I go to these verses. Especially the Romans 13 I just read. Know the hour, Desi, I say to myself. Time to wake up, Desi. Be sober, Desi. It's not flesh and blood. Verse 12. For we do not, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not sometimes we don't wrestle. But sometimes we do wrestle sweet people. No, no. We do not wrestle flesh and blood. So even when a little sweetheart comes against you, there is a spirit behind that to oppose you. And unless you deal with a spirit that's influencing the one you love, it's coming opposition against you. Nothing changes. But when we have this revelation, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, take note, they have a dominion on earth because of the sin of Adam. But because that sin of Adam was destroyed through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice when he went down to the pit of hell and defeated him. 
That, that, that dominion is broken off of us. So we now are clothed in the dominion of Christ that is from above. And in the dominion of Christ, we have authority to silence opposition in the spirit, to dismantle evil workings of these principalities and powers. Uh, against rulers that we struggle against rulers of the darkness of this age rulers of the darkness of this age this this age is being influenced by spiritual entities that are in rulership in darkness spiritual entities but we now the church the church, the body of Christ on earth, have dominion. And when he says to us, cast to care because he cares, he's talking about spiritual warfare. When he says to you, resist the care, resist the devour, he's talking about you being in dominion over that care. Really, Desi, a little worry? Yeah. It always starts with a little worry. It's not the little. It's a lie. Yeah, but I can see the facts. Yeah, they're lined up. Yeah, because there is a scheme that's working against you. And this is not to make you suspicious. Absolutely not. You can walk in the liberty of the love of God every day, but you are to be alert, sober-minded. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. I read this and I shudder. Oh, my dear, spiritual hosts, plural, of wickedness. In heavenly places. Therefore, therefore, he bring us back to putting on the armor of God. Therefore, but he's going to break this armor down into... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. To resist the devil steadfast in the faith. Last week's message is really a cue up to this one. To resist the devil steadfast and budging in the faith. If God before me, who can be against me? If God loves me, whose hate can bring me down? No, 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 no. And this militancy of a mindset, it's a real strength of a persuasion. The more confidence you have in the word of God, the less you tolerate the lie. That's why mind renewal is so important. That's why Romans also, Paul in the book of Romans tells us in, in chapter 12, just the chapter before what I read in, in, um, might as well read it since I'm talking about it. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your bodies, the members of your bodies, a living sacrifice. He told them just the chapter ahead of this, uh, further down, that we are to make no provision for the flesh. Why? Because our bodies are to be living sacrifices to God. I'll start the verse again, 12, 1 in Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable 
service. Some translations break that down means it is a form of worship to God. Oh, I worship you, God, but then you live any old way you want to live. Presenting my body to God is a service to him. It is a pure worship to him. And do not be conformed. This is a do not be conformed. Do not be conformed to this world, to the way the thought goes. You can do whatever you want to do. Please, you go ahead. Do not be conformed. And at the end of those statements, there's devour. There's destructions. We've all gone down those ways. Didn't work so hot, did it? So now we're sober. We reign those appetites. No provision for those. No. I'm a child of God. The Holy Spirit lives in me. Joy lives in me. Satisfaction lives in me. Glory lives in me. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's the word metamorphosis. And we often have been, we've used the example as a worm going into cocoon and coming out as a butterfly. That word transformation is what we're undergoing right now as Christians. We're coming into the cocoon of the word of God. Like little worms we come in and come out as butterflies. Beautiful. Renewed. Brand new. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This to me is the ultimate spiritual warfare. The mind renewal. I can shout, devil, I rebuke you. I rebuke you. But if my mind is carnal, he's got so much to work with me, the devil. If my mind is caught or not renewed by the word of God, I wouldn't know what to resist. Worry, I think it's just how I think. It's just how I think. I just how I think. Let me think what I want to think. None of your business what I think. <laughs> when you go in that room, you cry a little bit. Cry a little bit. Because those thoughts made you sad. Mm-mm. No more sad thoughts. No more sad thoughts. No more sad thoughts. Because we realize, going back to Ephesians 6, do not wrestle flesh and blood. What they did to me, what they, they didn't love me. They didn't love me. No. God loves us. That's my focus now. Uh, 6.13 in Ephesians. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the, in the evil day and having done all to stand, so be able to resist and withstand the adversary. So be able to, in your mind, resist that thought. So you'll be able to not budge when the assault comes on your mind. When the provocation is right there, that you walk in the peace of God, in forgiveness, in the love of God. Taking no care of what they've done, what they've said, what they haven't said. Stand therefore, verse 14. Stand therefore. I love it. Stand. I've stand therefore. Come on. Be a child of God and stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Know what's keeping it together for you. 
Know what's keeping it together for you. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on, put on the breastplate of righteousness, knowing that you've got a right standing with God. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, above all, taking the shield of faith. Here we go. You can't take the shield of faith if you're found in the cares of the world. We looked last week and over the past weeks, we looked at the parable of the soul that sows the word, which is Jesus sowing the word in your life, in your heart. And how the devil comes immediately to steal it. Through cares, deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things. These things come in and they choke the word of God. And so we said in those teachings that the, the reason why Satan comes not because you're so smart and so cute. No, because the word's in you. The greatest treasure, light. This word is light, and when you eat it, it lights your life. Because the Bible says the entrance of his word brings light. He's after that light. Because light extinguishes darkness. How do you withstand him? By putting on the armor of light. By putting on the word of God in you, the armor of light. So that's why verse 16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Faith comes through the word of God. This word, when you read, it is written. This word is, is alive, it's spiritual. That when you read it on the pages of the Bible, it becomes alive and living. That is your armor now. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery, oh, not some of them. If it's a fiery dart of the enemy, if it's a fiery dart of the enemy, you know how to handle it. You take up the shield of faith. You don't go cry a river. Don't call it best little buddy. These are the narrow places of our lives. where we realize our life is spiritual and that what I do, that which I do with my body is spiritual. And I'm either allowing for torment to fester and destroy me by what I yield my mind to or I'm allowing the entrance of light to build me up, to grow me up into this wonderful butterfly transformation. The born again creation that we are. Made for beauty. Not to be ever marred by sin. When you take up that shield of faith and you say, it is written, just like we saw Jesus do in those temptations, those three temptations that are written in Luke. What did he do? How did he defeat the devil? By saying, it is written. That is the operation of the shield of faith. When we raise up that banner of the word of God, we are extinguishing every fiery dart of the wicked one. 
of those hosts of wickedness that we read about in heavenly places. Of demonic assignments that really are too crafty for the human mind to understand. But in Christ we have an answer. What is the answer? I am born again. I'm not of this law of creation. I'm not under your dominion, Satan. I am now raised far above. And take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation to protect your mind. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful. Here we go again, alert, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints to pray one for another. And for me, Paul says that utterance may be given me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. The apostle Paul writes that in it, I may speak boldly as I ought to. I'm going to finish with um, Ephesians chapter two. I'll wrap it up as to where we are now in Christ. And so my title was carefree and devour friend. We really spent a bit of time talking about spiritual warfare, the ultimate, the ultimate spiritual warfare and diffusing of the assault is really through the mind as we read in, in Romans 12, mind renewal. But in Ephesians here, we are given a prayer. We can pray that Paul prayed and it starts in, um, chapter one, verse 15, but I'm going to pick it up Mm-mm-mm. in verse 17. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll start 15. It's just a better flow that way. Ephesians 1, 15. Therefore, I also, that is Paul writing, after I heard of your faith, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> as believing the Lord Jesus Christ, as believing the words of Jesus, after I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, walking in the love of God towards others, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, that the Father of glory may give to us the spirit of wisdom, and revelation in the knowledge of him to know God in truth. I'm paraphrasing it. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of our heart, that word is cardia, uh, understanding, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your spirit, man, can I say, to be enlightened, to be flooded with light, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that you're called to be his child. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? To be called a child of God. To know that you're an heir and a co-heir with Christ now. To know that you can walk as he walked. To know that that which is his is yours. To know that if he says, is for us it is exactly what he says and what is the exceeding greatness of his power 
that word is dunamis, that's miracle working power, towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities. Here we see the words that we are wrestling against, but Christ is far above all these principalities and powers and might and evil dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things, God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church that we are now part of the church which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. But just a little further down, just a little further down, he will tell us that with the rising of Jesus, we were raised again. He will tell us that where Jesus sits, we sit. And that is in um, ver- uh, chapter f- 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, because of his great love, not because we're so deserving. Because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, dead in sin. He made us alive together. For me, that happened when I had that night vision of Jesus. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up. Listen, raised us up together, together with him and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of you of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And so this salvation that is a gift from God has really taken us up above the fray of the earth, up above the care and the worry and anxiety, up above the torment and the devour, up above the opponent, the devil. So we in this high place of dominion have a say-so. What are you going to say so to that care today? No, no, you know. No, no, you don't. You're not mine. No, I cast it on God today and I'll not be devoured today, nor tomorrow, nor forever, because I am seated where he sits, because together with him, I am in heavenly places, far above it all. Glory be to God. We're done for this day. Amen. (laughs) Amen.